Welcome to Good Girls Talk About Sex. I'm sex educator and sexual communication coach, Leah Carey, and this is a place to share conversations with all sorts of women about their experience of sexuality. These are unfiltered conversations between adult women talking about sex. If anything about the previous sentence offends you, turn back now. And if you're looking for a trigger warning, you're not going to get it from me. I believe that you are stronger than the trauma you have experienced. I have faith in your ability to deal with things that upset you. Sound good? Let's start the show. Hey, friends. I love talking to people from other countries because even among English-speaking countries, cultural attitudes about sex can be wildly different. That's why I was thrilled when today's guest contacted me and said she wanted to do an interview from the Netherlands. Carla is a 45-year-old cisgender woman who describes herself as Black, heteroflexible, and partnered. She has five children, and she said her preferred relationship style is, if we talk about it and we're on the same page, it's okay. I gotta tell you, I love that description. Carla also describes her body as soft. I'm so pleased to introduce Carla. Carla, welcome. I'm so excited to talk with you. Uh, you reached out to me and uh, said, oh, I might like to do an interview, but yeah. like different time zones and different countries. I was like, no, I love talking to people in other countries. Please, let's do this. Yes. <laughs> so I'm so glad that you're here. Yeah, thank you for having me. You're welcome. So let's start where I start every conversation. What is your first memory of sexual pleasure? I think it was, um, I don't know if you know the brand. Can I say brand? A brand of cigarette? Sure. Yeah. Oh, there's a Marlboro man, you know, uh-huh, with a cowboy yeah. head. <laughs> and I've always had a thing for uh, men that smoke uh-huh. and cowboys. So I think it started with him. Yeah. How old were you? I'm not sure. Because my dad used to smoke and he would smoke another brand, the one with the camel on it. Uh-huh. I, I must have been, I don't know, maybe eight. Yeah. And when you saw him, what what happened for you? Like, what was that sense of pleasure or attraction that happened for you? I don't know. I was like a deer in the he- staring in the headlights. I was like, oh, my God, who is that? <laughs> <laughs> We didn't watch that much TV growing up because we were always playing. There was just one TV in the house. And my dad, uh, he used to watch a lot of television or watch movies with us. Mm-hmm. But And the Netherlands isn't like America. We didn't have commercials every five minutes. Mm. You would have maybe one or two commercial breaks in a movie. So I didn't see the, uh, the Marlboro Man a lot, just a few times. <laughs> So you just mentioned you're in the Netherlands. You yeah. grew up Dutch. Um, so can you tell me a little bit about how sex is talked about and how parents or schools might talk about sex with kids? Uh, well, growing up, you would get uh, sex ed 
uh, maybe 10, 11 years old. And they would explain everything to you. And that was good because my mom did not. Mm. And my father, he was uh, always working, so <laughs> he wasn't home. And uh, I had a lot of uh, Dutch and white friends. Mm-hmm. And they would take me to, to the library and I would read upon everything. And if I'd ask my mom, what is this? Or why do I have this feeling? What's going on? Uh, she would get angry mm. and sex shame us. Mm-hmm. For asking those questions, he'd be like, well, you know, and you know more than me, so why are you asking that? Oh, wow. Yeah, and, well, the parents of my, my white friends, they were really open, and would, they would explain everything, and that's how I get, got my education, mm-hmm. because I had an older sister, and she didn't know. My mom wouldn't tell her, so she was like, well, I don't know. <laughs> oh, wow. So she didn't go out and learn on her own? She No, she was born... Uh, in the Cape Verdean Islands and lived in Portugal and she came to us at 14. Hmm. So she had to learn a whole new language. Everything was new to her. And she had this, these little sisters uh, running around. So everything, and she was going through puberty herself. So it was hard on her yeah. also. Was she adopted? Was she a member of the family who had a different It was my half-sister. Half-sister. Yeah. Okay. And the age difference is 14 years. So she was 14 and I was three months old. Oh, wow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. So by the time you got to eight or nine or 10, was she already out of the house? Yeah, or- she was gone. Yeah. So you didn't have like that sort of big sister thing where you could go to her and ask questions? No, because she would be very embarrassed if I'd ask her stuff. Yeah. Huh. I remember one time she she had a period, and I said, "Oh, look at you! You're bleeding." And she'd be like, "No, don't say those things." Mm-hmm. And she walked away, and I was like, "Okay, <laughs> what mm-hmm. happened?" <laughs> yeah. And so, were there other siblings in the house? Yeah, uh, my mom had four girls. Wow, that's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot of estrogen. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of pads and tampons too. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if your older sister is included in those four. Uh, yeah, she was included. Okay. But, yeah, but I'm the oldest of the three she had uh, while married to my dad. So you said that you had good sex education in the Netherlands. Yeah. And I'm always curious to know exactly what that means to people. Um, and I do know that in your part of the world, sex education tends to be much more robust than it is here in the United States. So I assume you talked a lot about bodies and how they work and how like sex works and how reproduction works. Did they also talk to you about how to have healthy relationships and consent and conversations, things like that? No, no. It was just sex. If you do this, this this can happen. And they would talk about gay sex and stuff like that. But not nothing about boundaries, nothing about consent. Mm-hmm. I had to learn along the way. Yeah. So in the United States, we're just barely catching up to where you were 30 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, we're still in a lot of trouble here with uh, consent. There's something happened on the... A show where people sing and they can, I don't know, win like a contract. Mm -hmm. And there's been a lot of abuse behind the cameras. And 
it's now just uh, resurfaced and people are talking about it. So consent is still something that a lot of men don't understand. Yeah. They get angry. So, oh, I can't say anything uh, anymore to a woman. So I can't even give a compliment, mm-hmm. <laughs> stuff like that. They don't yeah. understand. Yeah. Huh. Um, so you also mentioned before we started talking that you were part of the Catholic Church growing up. What kinds of messages were you getting in church about sexuality and being female? Nothing. <laughs> so they didn't talk about it at all? No. Uh, no. Not once. I wonder if that's better than being shamed for it. Or if it just left such a vacuum that it, that also was a problem for you. Well, I just stopped going to church mm-hmm. at a certain age. And because I was asking too too many questions. I was <laughs> like, yeah, well, why can all, uh, all these men have more than one wife? And why can't women have more than one husband? Stuff like that. And people were like, you're way too nosy, Carl. <laughs> <laughs> How old were you? Um, maybe eight or nine. Oh, wow. Yeah. Young. But in my innocence, because I was also a very dreamy child, I would see something on TV and I'd just ask and my mom would get really angry with me. So I stopped asking her stuff and I would just ask uh, the parents of my friends and they would answer. Mm -hmm. I would get a lot of answers from them. Oh, good. Yeah. When your mom got angry, what kinds of things would she say to you? Told me to go away or uh, uh, good girls. <laughs> good girls don't ask those things. Yeah, I hear that. <laughs> yeah. And uh, she would be slut shaming people. Mm. Oh, look at her. Uh, she has so many uh, different men and blah, 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 stuff like that. And, and things that even I didn't think about them because I've, she would never talk about them. So, and I'd be like, how do you know about all the men she has? <laughs> Was there a point at which you discovered masturbation? Yeah, I think around 12. Mm-hmm. Do you remember how that happened for you? I don't remember how, mm-hmm. but I think I was watching Sky Channel or some of the German channels because they had the good movies. And some. And in a movie, a girl was, I don't know, humping something, a pillow or whatever. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it was a, a, a light porn movies. I don't remember. <laughs> But I think, oh, what's she doing? And I was like, okay, I'm going to try that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so did you get pleasure from that? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you remember coming to something that you would now call an orgasm? Not at first, but it didn't take too long Mm -hmm. for that to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Was it something you did frequently? Yeah. And was it something that you knew right away you needed to hide? Yeah, <laughs> I would do it in bed when I was alone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did you have your own bedroom or were you sharing with a sibling? We were sharing at first, but we I, I wasn't doing anything at that age. Yeah. And then me and my sister had a big fight and my mom was done with us. So she gave us our separate rooms. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So you had some freedom in terms of exploring your body. You didn't have to worry about others hearing well, you. I couldn't lock my door. Uh-huh. Because my mom said uh, that, yeah, why should we lock our door? Uh, it's not our, it's our house, but she was paying the rent, so, and so on and so on. She was really, uh, I don't even know how to say it. 
uh, she made the rules and we just had to listen. Mm-hmm. So we couldn't even close the door sometimes. Mm-hmm. And she was always in the house. She, she didn't work, stay at home mom. So she could, she would barge into your room just to stare at you and then walk away. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like that was a challenging relationship for you. Yeah. Yeah. What did you learn about how to be a woman, how to be a wife from your mom? Nothing. She would uh, tell us a lot of things, but she wouldn't, uh, it was like practice what I preach. Mm-hmm. So she would do the opposite. Mm-hmm. Uh, she divorced my dad when I was around 12 years old. And the minute he was gone, she moved some guy in with us oh. and he was horrible. Mm. Yeah. And he would cheat on her and she would, I don't know, there was so much tension that time. And and my dad was, uh, he was a great guy, a real feminist. Mm-hmm. Uh, he really loved us. He was, uh, he was amazing. So, and I, I thought to myself, uh, why, <laughs> why did you leave my father for this guy? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so she didn't talk to you about being a woman or being a wife. What did you learn from watching her? Maybe things you uh, wanted to do, but also things you didn't want to do. I wanted to be nothing like her. Yeah. Yeah. I ha- My sister has a, has a best friend, and I wanted to be like her mom. Oh. She was such a sweet woman, and she would... If I would ask my mom a question, depending on her mood, she would yell, scream, or hit. Hmm. And the friend would ask her mom something, and she would sit her down and explain her things. And I was like, wow, hmm. now that's what I want. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So I we haven't gotten there yet, but I know you have five kids. Yeah. Are you able to be the mother to them? I mean, on any given day. But yeah. <laughs> but are you able in general to be the mother to them that you want to be? I hope so. Yeah. Uh, I try really hard not to be like my mom. Because uh, that really scares me. Mm-hmm. And I didn't like being at home growing up. And my children are always in the house, mm. always near me. So I do think they feel okay. They love being near me. And... Uh, Sometimes when I'm tired or really angry, I can feel my mom in the back of my head trying Mm -hmm. to come out. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I have to really fight that Mm -hmm. because I don't want that. Yeah. Do you have a relationship with her today? I do. But it's really strained. And uh, she has Alzheimer's now. Mm. So the bad things are coming back up yeah and makes me feel like that little girl again but i know she's sick but it makes me angry yeah so i don't visit her that much Mm -hmm. oh that's hard so hard yeah i'm sorry thank you so when you were masturbating as a child Mm -hmm. or preteen was it purely physical or were you fantasizing about things, not as physical. Uh, I was a really, a really horny kid. <laughs> <I would come. laughs> it didn't take long for me to come. Yeah, 
Maybe half a minute. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you weren't like watching a movie and doing it or reading a book and like a sex scene or something and doing no, it. No, that came later because we weren't allowed to watch those things. Yeah. Yeah. And when she moved that guy in the house, I started discovering uh, tapes with porn. Oh. And uh, the people from my parents' country, uh, the men are mostly sailors. So they have posters of nude women and they have some everything is born books posters <laughs> tapes mm-hmm. pictures <laughs> and sometimes my mom would say oh go get me something in the i don't know in the pantry and he would have a bag there with all those things and i would find myself going through it mm-hmm. and i was thinking wow and one time i found a sex sex comic mm-hmm. and i took it and i started reading and that's when i started uh, to fantasize about other things yeah yeah. At what point did that fantasy turn into wanting to experiment with another person? Mm, around 15, 16. Yeah. Yeah. What was your first experience with another person? I was 15. Mm-hmm. It was with a guy I just met. <laughs> I I did it to make my mother angry. Because she was always like, oh, good girls don't do this and mm-hmm. you should go to school. But I was going to school. I had good grades. I was always polite. And I thought, there's nothing I can do that it will it will never be good enough for you. So mm. I thought, well, F it then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, and you said you had just met him. What made you decide this is the guy that you wanted to do this with? Well, I thought he was cute. Mm-hmm. And that was it. <laughs> and he was there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Was it fun? Uh, it wasn't bad, but it wasn't fun. Mm. And he was nice to me. It was okay. But uh, it took me about six months or more to do it again with someone else. And that was much better. And he was much nicer. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was in love that time. Mm. So that made a difference. So with the first guy... How far did you go? Was it penetrative sex or was it just fooling around? No penetrative sex. It yeah. was. Okay. And then with the second guy, it was also penetrative sex. Yeah. And but he, yeah. He, no, he took his time, the second guy. He was really uh, gentle and explaining stuff. And the other guy was just like, I don't think he even believed it was my first time. So. Oh. Did you tell him it was your first time? No. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so he didn't have a reason to think it was your first time. <laughs> I thought uh, I thought I was less such a woman <laughs> doing that. <laughs> so the with the second guy, you said it was more fun. Um, yeah. Did you have pleasure? Yeah. Yeah. What kind? Like, from what kinds of activities were you having pleasure at that age? Kissing. I mean. And I still enjoy uh, a good kisser. So, uh, and he was a really good kisser. And I have a thing for big men. So, and he was big, mm. uh, tall, broad shoulders and everything. So, and he was, he was funny. He would make me laugh, say the stupidest things. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How long did things go on with him? Just a few weeks. I was on, uh, on vacation in Canada. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Um, and so then what happened next? Who, who was the next person you got involved with? I think I was 17. Uh, I just finished high, high school. 
it's not the same as in in the states. We have, we have uh, high school, and then before college, there's something else. Uh-huh. <laughs> Four years. Uh, I went there, and there was this guy in the class, and he was like, "Oh wow, look at her!" And I thought to myself, "What?" <laughs> I didn't feel like talking to him. So, but that was my first uh, real relationship. Mm-hmm. Lasted a few years, and we had our good times, but also very bad times. Mm. Yeah. How did you feel about your body? Uh, I always thought growing up that I was fat, mm. but I was uh, 40 pounds lighter than I'm now. <laughs> so <laughs> I wasn't. When I look at my pictures when I was 12, I'm like, you weren't fat. You yeah. were just a, a regular kid. Mm-hmm. But my mom would always say stuff like, oh, look at your stomach. Oh, look at this. Oh, look at that. Mm. And now at 45, I can still get very angry about it. Yeah. So I don't like to talk about bodies around my children. I will never say, oh, look at that big woman on TV. I'm like mm-hmm. more like, oh, look at her pretty smile or mm-hmm. look at her, I don't know, nice hair, stuff like that. Yeah. So you felt like you were overweight or yeah. fat. How did that affect your ability to engage sexually with a man? In the dark, (laughs) just leave the lights off Uh or keep a top on or something, Mm -hmm. you know, underneath the covers. So you didn't want to be seen? No. Has that changed over time? Yeah. Yeah. It took me a while. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It was not so long. Well, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Those messages do take a long time to work through. So you said that was your first serious relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have a sense of when in here you met the father of your kids or, or if they all have the same father. I don't know. I don't know anything about your story. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's okay. <laughs> so what happened next? <laughs> uh, I went to a party at one time and my son, my oldest child has a different father mm-hmm. and I remember coming down the stairs and he was like, uh, and I, I knew him. I knew his face from around because I was always outside and just wandering in the city. And we started talking and we just had a, a fling. Mm. I wasn't in love, but I thought he was cute and, and he's cute. He's a cute guy. And I, uh, I wasn't thinking. I was working, uh, in bars and stuff, living at night, sleeping in <laughs> during the day. Yeah. And then one time I I thought to myself, uh, I haven't had my period in a long time hmm. and I'm feeling weird. Why am I always tired? So I was 21 at the time and I had my son. Did you ever consider not keeping the pregnancy or was it, once you were pregnant, you were going to do it? No, I was just going to do it. Yeah. I, was, I thought to myself, wow, I'm going to have a baby. I'm going to be a mom. I knew right from the beginning uh, he was a boy, and his oh, really? dad, uh, yeah, he didn't want. He was like, "No, I don't want to have a baby." Blah blah. And I thought, "Well, fine, I'll do it by myself." Hmm. Did you have support? Yeah, my family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my mom changed <laughs> after I had my son. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That seems to be the way, right? Like it's yeah. really hard to be their child, but the grandchildren get everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that man was never a long-term partner. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay. And so were you okay with the idea of being 
a young single mom? Yeah, because my life changed. I went back to school. I got a degree. I started working. And then when my son was four or five, I met the father of my children. Mm -hmm. And I was with him for 15 years. We got Mm -hmm. married and we had a great relationship. There were some things uh, I thought I could handle him having, I don't know, an open relationship, but we would make uh, agreements. So uh-huh. if you have sex with someone, don't bring her here. Yeah. And he did. Uh, he so brought he her broke to the wedding. The- <laughs> he brought her to your wedding? I know. Good Lord. And I, I didn't know at the time. I found out later. And by that time, we had bought a house. <laughs> we had three children. Shit. And I think that was the beginning of the end. Yeah. I just couldn't take it anymore. So would you have been okay if he had continued his relationship with her if the agreements had been kept? Yeah. You think? So it was the broken agreements and the broken trust. It wasn't the relationship itself. Yeah, because every time he would bring a friend to the house, I was like, are you sure she's a friend or are you just fucking her? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, sure. Broken trust. I mean, I think people have this idea that in open relationships or polyamory or, you know, however you describe your particular situation, that that means you can't cheat. Oh, no. Yeah. You just have agreements that, but they're different than the monogamous agreements. And you can absolutely still cheat and mess up your relationship and cause a lot of trauma for people. And he also lied because I, you know, I'm not stupid. And I, there were times I was like, you know, you are acting like a, like a teenager around her. Like a boy when he sees boobs for the first time. <laughs> there was like this big festival. I wanted to go with him and yeah, he went with her. And then it took him forever to come back home. And uh, when he was home, he said, oh, yeah, now we can go. I didn't feel like going anymore. Mm. And I just had my youngest daughter. And I was feeling uh, fat and not attractive at all and Mm -hmm. he made it feel made me feel worse so i just didn't go yeah yeah was the open relationship open on both sides could you have had somebody else yeah could have but i was either pregnant or breastfeeding so (laughs) there was nothing (laughs) happening not really appealing So it wasn't because I think there are times when men will say, I want to open the relationship. And what they mean is I want to go fuck other women, but you, you don't get to do that same thing. So it sounds like it would have been equitable if you'd wanted to. Well, he was, uh, I don't want to make him sound like a bad guy because as a father, he's a, uh, he's also a feminist Mm -hmm. and he think equality is for everyone not just for him. So, but uh, I don't know. I don't know if, if he would have, if he could handle it, me being around other men, because a lot of men are attracted to me. <laughs> I don't want to sound cocky uh, <laughs> or anything, but I don't know. Everywhere I go, people are like, oh, you're so beautiful. Or you're sexy. And I have a hard time believing it mm. still. Mm-hmm. But I think if I, if I wanted, I could have had a lot of sex with other men. Yeah.
I want to invite you to imagine for a moment what your ideal sex life looks like and feels like. Who are you with? What type of sex do you have together? How do you feel while touching them? And how does your body feel when they touch you? Or maybe you'd like to be having less sex than you're currently having. If you don't know, or if that vision of your ideal doesn't look at all like what's currently going on in your bedroom, I can help. With personalized sex and intimacy coaching, we'll explore where you are, how you got here, where you want to be, and the steps to help you get there. There are no right or wrong answers, just the answers that work for you. I understand that exploring your sexuality and all that goes with it, your body image, your belief in your lovability, and more can be terrifying. Believe me, I sat in the middle of that fire for decades. I know how painful it is. But I also stepped out the other side, stronger, more confident, and more certain of my lovability and desirability. And I want the same for you. I work with couples and one-on-one, whether you've never explored your sexual desires before, or you want to explore things you've never done before, like maybe BDSM or non-monogamy, or if you and your partner need some help figuring out how to communicate together so you can have better sex. I'm queer, kinky, and poly-friendly, and I want you to have a deeply fulfilling, intimate life. Together, we can help you get there. For more information and to schedule your free discovery call, visit leahcarry.com forward slash coaching. A new client recently said that before her discovery call, she was extremely nervous, but that I made the experience feel easy and comfortable. So book your free discovery call today at leahcarry.com forward slash coaching. So you've had five children. Yeah. Five pregnancies. I mean, I don't want to make assumptions that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So you've had five pregnancies. How has your experience of sex changed since having kids? Mm, I'm now more vocal about what I want and how I want it. Mm -hmm. My youngest is not with my ex. It's with my partner now. And I don't think a lot lot has changed because I still uh, enjoy sex the way I've always had. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I always had. So let me think where. uh, I don't think much lots have changed. Because I was always, uh, from the beginning, if someone would do something I didn't like, or I remember one time having sex with a guy and he was like, oh, you came because you're wet. And I was like, no, I didn't. And he was mm. like, yeah. Like, we would have a discussion. <laughs> I was like, you don't get to tell me how my body works. Right. Because I know how it feels. Yeah. 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 And did you, did your sensation in your body change at all? Um or did you have different vaginal sensations after having given birth? Yeah, vaginal orgasm have changed. Yeah, in what way? Yeah, 
it's not as uh, powerful as they used to be. Hmm. So I think I have to do some kegels or something. <laughs> <laughs> Is it still pleasurable? Yeah. Yeah. You were with your ex-husband, I think you said for 15 years. Yeah. That relationship ended. And now you have your current partner. Yeah. What is your relationship with your current partner like? It's different. He uh, He's someone I knew from when I was a teenager. And he always had a thing for me. But he's a few years younger than me. And me, at the age of 15, I thought, that, well, I'm a woman and look <laughs> to you, little boy. <laughs> he was too. Yeah. <laughs> but after my father died, uh, he showed up. He helped with uh, cleaning the house. He didn't ask for anything. And he was never a creep or anything. He was always very polite, very nice to me. Mm-hmm. And... At one time, he saw a picture of me on Facebook, and he, he sent me a message. He's like, are you okay? I said, yeah, well, you know, my dad died. He said, yeah, I know, so can I take you out to coffee? And that was the first time when I looked at him, I was like, when did you turn into a man? What happened? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and, the, and I didn't know he was smoking, so he, he had a Marlboro package of cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> and he started smoking. I was like, oh, my God. But nothing happened that day because uh, I was still married and he was in a relationship. But our relationship from both ends were ending. Yeah. So uh, it took him a few months. And then he uh, he sent me a message. Yeah, would you like to go for some coffee? And said, yeah, sure. But I asked him, how are you and uh, and your lady? He said, yeah. It's not going good. We're breaking up. And I was also heading towards the divorce. And by that time, I thought, well, it's now or never. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like you got together with him pretty quickly upon the ending of your marriage. And um, how is the sex? It's awesome. Yeah? Yeah, he's so different. And at first I was like... Well, uh, if you want to, we could have an open relationship. And he's like, no, I just want you and I want you all for me. And Mm. okay, well, that's good. And he's a type of man. He shows me he really, he's really into me. And he's like a teenager sometimes. He can get hard at any time. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm not used to that. With my ex, it would take him forever to come and blame me. Not, he wouldn't say it's your fault, but. It would make, I just thought it was my fault. I wasn't good enough. I wasn't tight enough. Or yeah. maybe my boobs weren't perky enough. And he's like, uh, yeah, I can make him come. And I'm really happy about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You said that the two of you don't live together. Um, yeah. So how is that for you to have a serious committed relationship that sounds like it's long term? You share a child. How is that for you to have that in separate homes? Uh, he's here a lot mm-hmm. because he works nearby. So he helps with his son. Uh, because of our custody agreements, I can't move far away. And I don't want that for my children. I need, I want them to be ne- near their father. And so he works nearby. So I do see him regularly, almost daily. And when my children are with their father, I go to his house. So just to clarify, <laughs> you have your is your oldest son still at home or is he He's at home but he's 24 now. So. Okay. So he's 
when you say my children are with their father, does that include him? No. Just okay. The girls. So yeah. the there are three girls in the middle who go to their fathers. And then what about your son who you share with your current partner? He's with me full time. Yeah. But his dad is almost every day. Yeah. yeah. I love hearing about this because so many people think that there's only one way to do relationship and child rearing. And that is you get a house together, you get married, you live together, you have a kid and you like you do everything as a family. This is another perfectly viable way of having a family unit as long as it works for you. Yeah, I like I I really like it this way because I like being with my children. Mm-hmm. And I remember when my dad left and that man came into our house, he was there all the time. And I have a teenage daughter and I want her to feel free in our house. Mm-hmm. So maybe I'll wait until she's, I don't know, a grown up mm-hmm. when we finally get a house together. But for now, I don't know. She likes him. So she says, <laughs> not sure. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I just want her to feel at home. And she likes being with me, but she doesn't like it at his house. So mm. I don't want to force her into anything. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like the two of you keeping separate homes is situational as opposed to like, I never want to live together. I'm scared of living together because you don't know uh, what can happen. What if mm. this fills again. I have to move again, find another house again. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. And how long have the two of you been together? Five years now. So that's a, that's a serious committed relationship. Yeah. Yeah. How old is your youngest? He's two. And how old is your next oldest? Seven. <laughs> so were you expecting to have another pregnancy? Mm. I wanted to because I had two miscarriages before, Mm. but I was also uh, over 40 and people were like, well, you're old now, so. (laughs) You had a geriatric pregnancy. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, a geri what? (laughs) I know. (laughs) (laughs) But that's how they treated me also. Uh, uh, My children, all my deliveries have been really quick and I've had good pregnancies. And with my youngest, uh, his delivery was the shortest and I wanted to have him at home, but they were like, no, you're old and there's something going on. So you need to go to the hospital. Before we started, I asked you what your orientation is. And you said, straight, but you find women attractive. And I said, well, would you consider yourself heteroflexible? And you said, yes. So I'm yeah. curious, um, have you had any experiences with women? Like what is, how far does that go for you? Uh, not much. I just, I kissed a woman once. You'd think living in Amsterdam, there would be women all over the place, but (laughs) (laughs) I don't know where to find them. So I just go with the flow. And I've been to a a party with a a friend of mine and there were a lot of lesbians, of lesbians, I don't know, women into women there. Mm -hmm. And one woman came up to me and she gave me like an air kiss and I was like, oh my God. Did you see that? <laughs> so that was nice, but yeah. nothing much happened. And the, the women were so nice. They were like, oh, you look gorgeous. Look at you and you're beautiful, blah, blah. 
And it was nice. So she asked me, would you like to come with me to another party? And I was like, yeah, sure. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm open-minded. If, if, something will ha- if something happens, it'll happen. And my partner's like, yeah, sure. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you've kissed another woman, but that's as far as it's gone for you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And do you have curiosity about it? Or just like, if it happens, it happens? I am curious. Mm-hmm. I would like to know... Uh, how it feels like to be with a woman. Hmm. Yeah. So uh, you mentioned that in the Netherlands, sexual attitudes are more liberal than they are here um, in the US. Can you talk a little bit about what that means and how that I mean, this is also based on (laughs) how much do you know about the US? But, um, yeah, I'm curious to know how you experience just sort of sexuality and attitudes about sex there. Well, uh, when I was young, there was there was this deodorant commercial. And there's a woman running around on the beach just in a, a tiny uh, underwear, just mm-hmm. a, like a thong. Mm-hmm. And that was it. There was boobs on TV all the time and pubic hairs and stuff like that. And... Even uh, penises, mm. naked butts, and and this is all on public television, like freely available television. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's also a, a show. It's I think it's French. It's a cartoon about the body, and there's a scene where a woman gives birth, and they had like a cartoon vagina with a baby coming up. Oh my gosh! So yeah, yeah. So and 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 if you would go swimming in public pools and stuff, there would be women topless. It wasn't weird to us. Yeah. And that's still how it is. Not so much. Uh, because I think because it has to do with the f- uh, cell phones. Mm. People are taking pictures and posting them everywhere. So mm-hmm. they're still, if you're young and your boobs are perky, you, you will see them <laughs> on the beach. Yeah. <laughs> and I've been in uh, other countries like uh, Spain, Gran Canaria, and... There are women there, moms, who will go topless, but not in, I haven't seen them in the Netherlands yeah. at all yeah. <laughs> for a long time. Um, am I correct that sex work is legal in the Netherlands? I believe it is. Yeah. There are places where they can work. Mm-hmm. There's the red light district. Uh, yeah. Almost everyone knows about that. And there are uh, houses and strip clubs. So if they're Getting arrested, they're probably doing it somewhere where they shouldn't be. Uh-huh. And is sex work um, stigmatized? Not as much as other countries. Yeah. Because growing up, I would... Not growing up. When I was a teen, there was this place I would go out to dance. And there was like a a, a zone where the where the hookers were. Mm-hmm. And on my way to the, to the disco, I would run into those women and... Yeah. I was dressed like them. I would wear hot pants and a top, and I'd be like, "Hey, girls!" And they would be like, "Hi." <laughs> <laughs> they took away the zone from them and they put them somewhere else where it was really uh, unsafe for them mm. near the harbors, and it was dark and lots of things was happening there, so that wasn't good. But I didn't think much of them. It wasn't that when I saw a hooker, I'd be like, "Oh my god, you're such a dirty woman, and you'll burn in hell forever." I just, I don't know, they were just people to me. 
I get so many messages from listeners saying, thank you for the show. I've listened to the whole back catalog and it's helped me completely transform my sex life. Are you one of those people? If so, I'd love to have your support so I can keep growing this show and bringing a new vision of sexuality to the world. If you haven't done it yet, please take a moment to rate and review this podcast. I know the podcast industry does not make reviewing a show easy. So go to ratethispodcast.com forward slash goodgirls. And it should lead you through the process of posting a review. I'd love to get 100 reviews by the end of the year, and I could use your help. And if you have the financial resources to support the sex-positive work I do, I'd be so grateful for your support at Patreon. Donating the equivalent of a fancy cup of coffee each month might not make a big difference to you, but it makes a huge difference to me. There's no contract or obligation. You can cancel at any time. And I donate 10% of all proceeds to ARC Southeast, an organization that supports women in the Southeast United States to access reproductive services that are now either illegal or heavily legislated. It's easy to become a patron at patreon.com forward slash Good Girls Talk About Sex. And speaking of Patreon, there is a treasure trove of additional audio at Patreon that's free for everyone to listen to. You don't even need to have a Patreon account to access it. Just go to patreon.com forward slash good girls talk about sex to start listening. I appreciate every one of you, whether you're a client, a contributor, a social media follower, or a silent listener. I trust you to know what's right for you. Thank you for being here. Now, let's get back to the show. And now it's time for the lowdown. The things we're dying to know, but would usually be too polite to ask any good girl. Do you have sex during your period? Yeah. What's the approximate number of sex partners you've had? I don't remember, but I think it's way over 30, 50 maybe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. How old were you when you began masturbating? I don't know. Maybe 10, 11, 12-ish yeah. around that time. Yeah. Have you ever had sex with someone of a different racial identity than your own? Yeah. Lots of times. <laughs> <laughs> My guess is that's a lot easier in Europe. Or not easier, but just it's different in Europe, I would imagine, than it is here in the States. Yeah. Yeah, I, um, I'm not sure. I think it's still stigmatized here in the States a lot. Yeah? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, what's your favorite sex toy? I don't have one. But there was a shape like an egg. Then you insert it and you'll have sex. And so you both feel it move around. So I think it's that one. 
but I haven't used a toy <laughs> forever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's been a long time. Do you prefer to initiate or for your partner to initiate in the bedroom? Both. Yeah. What's your favorite sex position? Missionary. Because I like uh, looking at him and smell him, kiss him, touch him. And I can tell when he's about to come and stuff like that. Also, cow, cowgirl, is that how you call it when mm -hmm. I'm on top? You're on top, yeah. yeah. Are you generally more active or more passive during lovemaking? Active. We're both very active. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you prefer clit stimulation or penetration? Penetration. Do you enjoy G-spot stimulation? Well, I'm not sure I have one. <laughs> <laughs> I come so quick, so oh, I don't right. know if... Uh... <laughs> Do you have to work to keep yourself from orgasming? Or do you just let yourself go? I can't stop it. Mm -hmm. So, and sometimes it'll take me... He can, he, just, he can just go in and I'll come. Hmm. And I'm like, what? <laughs> so... <laughs> And so once that has happened, are you a multiple orgasmer or a one and done? One and done. I just want to sleep. And sometimes we'll go on and it'll take a, like 50 minutes before I reach another orgasm. Mm. But I've never had a multiple one. Mm -hmm. Is that pleasurable for you after you have an orgasm to continue with penetrative sex? Mm, no, because everything is sensitive. <laughs> yeah. So it, it, uh, I'll just tell him, well, okay, we can continue, but don't touch my nipples. Don't, don't touch my shoulder. Just <laughs> lay there for a minute. <laughs> well, good. So you know what works for you. Yeah. That's awesome. I love it. <laughs> um, again, the next question is, do you think it's yeah. generally easier challenging for you to orgasm? <laughs> I wish I was uh, slower. <laughs> Do you enjoy having your breasts played with? Yeah. Have you ever faked an orgasm? No. <laughs> you don't need to, it sounds like. <laughs> yeah, but I refuse. There have yeah. been men, of, uh, yeah, men, boys, mm -hmm. when it just didn't work. Yeah. And I was not going to stroke their ego by, by faking it. <laughs> mm, yeah. Do you prefer the orgasm from masturbating or from sex with another person? Sex with another person. What's your favorite thing to do to your partner during sexual play? Uh, he likes it when I stroke him. And it doesn't matter where. He just likes to feel my hands on his body. So you just answered, so, what does he like you to do? My question oh, is, what do you like to do? Well, no, that's a, that's a very common thing for us to do as women. Yeah. yeah. I also enjoy touching him because yeah. he's very, uh, he's a big guy, but also very muscular. So I'll just lay beside him in the dark and then feel uh, his muscles. Mm. And that's uh, a very arousing for me, so... I won't even go. There are people that will go straight for the balls or, or for his dick, but that's not how I work. Yeah. And I really enjoy touching him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What kind of touch do you enjoy receiving most? Uh, he's not uh, too fond of kissing. So when he kisses me, I really enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> what are your hard red lines? The things you definitely don't want to do? 
I'll try anything, but there's uh, I won't do anything illegal. So, but anything else, I'll try. <laughs> what is illegal? Uh, let's say you want. What if I would meet a guy and he, he said, oh, yeah, "I'm into kitty porn"? I'd be like, "No." Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Get away from me. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Stuff like that, but yeah. other things. Uh, uh, he says, "Oh, I brought these handcuffs. Would you like to try them?" Yeah, sure, I'll try. I'll give it a go. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, what about piss and poop? I think that's where I draw the line. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I'd, I'd consider pee, but uh-huh. poop, no. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, how do you feel about porn? Uh, I like porn mm-hmm. every now and then. When I was pregnant with my youngest, I was really into porn. I was horny all the time, so... <laughs> <laughs> I'd watch porn <laughs> when I was alone. <laughs> What's your ideal frequency for sex? A few times a week, at least three times a week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you have hair down there or are you bare? I have hair. <laughs> is that common? Like what is the sort of norm if there is such a thing in the Netherlands? Growing up, I was used to seeing women with uh, pubic hairs. And I think it's something maybe 20 years between 30 and 20 years that a lot of women are shaving and I used to, and then I started waxing and I remember watching a picture of Amber Rose posing in, not nude, but she had a bra on, but no panties Mm -hmm. and she had pubes. I was like, that's so pretty. Mm. It looked so beautiful. And I thought to myself, why Mm. am I going through this? Why am I always shaving? So I just stopped. I do trim. And I just wax the sides, but I I like my I like pubic hair. Yeah. I like hairy men, so <laughs> I like hairy. I think it's beautiful. Uh, so I just leave it. Yeah. Have you ever had a threesome or more? Nope. I wish I had. Yeah. <laughs> do you enjoy giving blowjobs? I do. Yeah. Do you swallow? No. No. It has happened once or twice, but uh, <laughs> what do you do instead? <laughs> I just spit it out. Yeah, yeah. I always have it like a napkin or something. Mm. Do you enjoy receiving oral sex? I do, but it's so sensitive down there. There are a lot of. Uh, I will always tell a guy, well, before you go down there, first of all, you can't lick me with the tip of your tongue. <laughs> you can't put your nose in there because. It's sensitive. It's like stabbing. So I tell you, you have to uh, use your tongue, uh, the middle part of it, not the tip of your tongue. Uh-huh. So there's a lot of instructions before they go down there. Yeah. Do you ever worry about your smell or taste? Not anymore. Mm. Yeah. How do you feel about ass play? I'm into it. I do enjoy it. Yeah. Giving and receiving? I haven't done it. Not to my partner. He's just... We'll talk about anything except that because it's not something I think I need to do to have a fulfilling sex life. If he'd asked me to do it, I probably would. Mm -hmm. What do you consider the quote-unquote kinkiest thing you enjoy with the understanding that everyone has a completely different scale of kink? Oh, uh, maybe soft Mm -hmm. S&M. I haven't really done anything kinky. Mm -hmm. Air quotes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
But like spanking, is that what you mean by soft S&M? Yeah, I do enjoy that. Mm -hmm. And maybe a little choking. Oh, okay. Yeah. And what's your safety protocol for choking? I only do it with people who I really trust. Yeah. Okay, so Um, people who listen to this podcast regularly (laughs) have heard me go on this particular train several times, but I will always say it again. Choking is one of the most high-risk activities you can do during sex. Doesn't mean you shouldn't do it, but you Mm -hmm. do need to be really aware of the consequences. And when things go wrong, they go really wrong, really fast. And it doesn't matter how much you trust each other. Yeah. So you and your partner, if you do this together, should have a conversation about if something goes wrong, what is our safety protocol? You know, calling the emergency services, um, you know, whatever it is that makes you feel like this is what safety is. And then I really recommend writing it like on a piece of paper or, a, you know, an index card and putting it by the bed or wherever you have sex so that if something goes wrong and you or your partner gets totally freaked out, you don't have to remember what the agreement, the protocol was, you can just pick okay. up that and look at it and do it. So, yeah. Well, that's a good tip. Yeah. I'm glad you like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I've heard uh, Dan always also talk about it and I haven't done it a lot. And yeah, my, my, my partner, he's, he has really big hands and he's really strong. So I could imagine things going bad mm-hmm. <laughs> really, really fast. Yeah. And it's not because they're doing it, you know, it's not because they're trying to hurt you. It's not because of anything that they are intentionally doing. They might think they're doing exactly the same thing they've done 10 times before. But for whatever reason, on that day, things go wrong because we're talking yeah. about your breath and your blood and that's stuff that you just have to be really careful yeah. with. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I will now step down <laughs> off of my yeah. soapbox. <laughs> um, do you enjoy dirty talk during sex? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Do you enjoy laughter during sex? Yeah. We have lots of fun. Mm. Yeah. Have you ever felt a sexual urge that confused you? Mm. Yeah, it still feels weird to me because uh, my son is two, but I'm still breastfeeding. So sometimes he'll, uh, I'll feed him, he'll go to bed, and then I'll have sex with his dad, and he he'll suck on my breast, and it's just so uh, confusing for me. I'll be like, no, 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 this is for the baby. Yeah, <laughs> and but I do enjoy it. But or sometimes after sex, my son will wake up. And he wants to feed, and I'm like, oh, my God, I can't mm. just feed you right now because. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's, just, it's really weird. I think that's sometimes. a pretty common experience for moms who are breastfeeding, to have that sort of like, who's this for right now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's something you don't hear women talk about. It's so, so true. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you said it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, what's your favorite part of your body? Mm, my stomach. 
I've learned to love her. Wow, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. What's your least favorite part of your body? Mm. Well, let me think. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I have one. I finally accepted myself. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. What is something about your current sex life that isn't quite as satisfying as you'd like it to be? I would like for my partner to kiss me more. Mm. He's just not a kisser. And I really miss that. And there are times I think he feels that. And when we start, when we're about to have sex, he'll kiss me and makes me feel emotional sometimes. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Do you ask him for more kissing and making out? Yeah, sometimes I'll ask him, well, kiss me for 10 seconds then. And he's like, oh, wait. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. What belief did you have about sex as a child or teenager that you wish you could go back and correct her on now? That was bad. I remember watching the Blue Lagoon and when she had the baby and, you know, they had sex and I didn't know what was going on, but I knew what they were doing was bad. Mm. (laughs) So uh, I was also very judgmental about certain things before I changed. (laughs) So I wish I could go back and be like, no, we need to accept people for who they are and everybody's different. So you're not bad for having sex for, for doing those things. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Carla, thank you so much for having this conversation with me. It has been such a joy to talk with you. I was really looking forward to this. I've been listening to your podcast nonstop. Well, now you will get to hear your own voice. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I've told everyone that uh, I was going to be on, uh, on your, hopefully on your podcast. And they're like, oh, send me the link when you're done. I said, yes, I will. Excellent. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. That's it for today. Before we go, I want to remind you that the things you may have heard about your sexuality aren't true. You are worthy. You are desirable. You are not broken. As a sex and intimacy coach, I will guide you in embracing the sexuality that is innately yours, no matter what it looks like. To set up your free discovery call, go to leahcarry.com forward slash coaching. If you have questions or comments about anything you've heard on the show, call and leave a message at 720-GOOD-SEX. Full show notes and transcripts for this episode are at goodgirlstalk.com. And you can follow me at goodgirlstalk on the socials for more sex positive content. If you're enjoying the show, please take a moment to leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or if you're using another podcast app, go to ratethispodcast.com forward slash good girls. While listening to this show is free, producing it is not. If my work is meaningful to you and you have a few dollars to support it each month, I'll gratefully accept your patronage at Patreon. Find out more and become a community member at patreon.com forward slash Good Girls Talk About Sex. Good Girls Talk About Sex is produced by me, Leah Carey, and edited by Gretchen Kilby. I have additional administrative support from Lara O'Connor. 
transcripts are produced by Jan Asiello. Until next time, here's to your better sex life.